If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another expert episode of the podcast. Today, I am so excited to have my friend Chanel Dokun on. She is an author, life planner, and relationship expert trained in marriage and family therapy. She is the author of the book, Life Starts Now, How to Create the Life You've Been Waiting For. She has been featured on Good Morning America, so many different things. She's such an expert and such a passionate person in this space. And so it was such an honor to have her on. I brought her on because I just hear from so many people who feel like their purpose is gone, that their life is now gone because they lost their ex. And I just do not believe that to be the case. And so I wanted to bring on Chanel, who's an expert, to talk about how we can start rediscovering a purpose. And maybe you're someone like me who just never really considered what I liked, who I was. And I I just think that this time of going through a breakup is such a good time to rediscover yourself and start relearning who you are independent of anyone else. So Chanel and I talk about how we can start really identifying who we are, what we like, how we can stop outside influences from kind of telling us what we should want or who we should be. She talks about how we can start using this concept of play to start figuring out what we like. So I loved our conversation with Chanel. I highly encourage all of you guys to go get her book, Life Starts Now. I have a copy and I just love it so much. And yeah, here is Chanel. Hi, Chanel. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. I'm very honored to have you on the show today. Oh my goodness. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about purpose today. I'm sure we'll talk about many other things, but I would love if you could just start out. I know your like your story on how you got started with this, but I think it's so interesting. So I would love if you could share what led you to, you know, want this to be your thing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So many things I would say led into that. Probably the biggest one, honestly, is my mom. When I think about it, <laughs> so, so like I'm a therapist, just so everybody knows. So I'm going to probably go back into that. Like, <laughs> let me share my childhood with you. Yeah, but it really is my mom. I think about her and the life that she lived, and her desire to know what her purpose was, and to feel like she was 
living a really meaningful life that was intentional and also rooted in what she wanted. And she never quite got there. And, you know, I have this like distinct memory of when I was a little girl being with her in a, in a bookstore and her kind of asking me what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I said, you know, I want to be a writer. And she's just kind of looked at me and said, that's so amazing. And then simultaneously, her eyes started to glaze over and she kind of disappeared for a moment. And I kind of tugged on her dress and said, you know, mom, like, where'd you go? What happened? And she was like, you know, I never knew what I wanted to be. No one ever asked me. And she thought she would eventually get her chance. She was like the oldest of 12 kids and felt like eventually she would have her moment. Um, she raised three of us kids of her own and um, her time never came. And so, you know, long story short, I guess for me, whenever I think about rooting my life in this space of helping people figure out their purpose, it all goes back to me thinking about my mom and the opportunity for someone to feel like they know who they are. They are proud of the life that they've lived and they feel like they were able to live it on their terms. I love that. And it's, it's so interesting when I was getting ready to, when I was like, you know, gathering my stuff for this interview, I was thinking my like relationship with purpose stems from my dad, but it's like, it's people on the show know I love my dad. He, I've had him on the podcast. He's amazing. He's a very like purposeful man. Like he, mm -hmm. like he started a company in the seventies that he still does in his eighties. Cause he just loves it so much. And like, if you could, like anyone could ask him, like, what is your purpose? And he has like a purpose, like part of his work is like helping people create their purpose statements and he helps companies with their purpose. So he's like, purpose is so important to him. And remember, I probably like 16 or 17, I was super lost. It was like during my like addiction phase. And I remember him asking like, Kendra, what do you think your purpose was? And I was like so gutted by the question because I didn't know how to answer it. And so it's always been like, I feel like I have baggage talking about like therapy stuff. I feel like yeah. I have baggage around the topic just because it was something that felt like the example I had of it felt very unattainable to like be able to get to a place like that where like, you know, my dad feels comfortable telling his purpose to like yeah. my mom and I always joke like he'll tell it to the plumber that comes to the house. Like he's just <laughs> like, that's how he is. So I feel like I have that relationship, but in such a different way. And and I'd love, like, how would you define purpose? Because I think so many people think it's like something very grand. Yeah. So I think of purpose as a location, because I think that sometimes when we talk about purpose, it's like this ultimate, we're searching for some sort of definition or some like quick little, I don't know, nugget to describe it. And to me, I believe that we find our purpose at a particular location. So I say that our purpose is found at the intersection of our talents, our heart, and our influence. And thinking of it in that language of location, to your point about kind of feeling a little triggered by the word even yeah. in this question, I think that it's a lifelong journey, right? So I do think it's knowable, and I think it's something that we can put language around. Obviously, I spend my whole life like helping people put language around their purpose. But I also think that purpose is something that we pursue and that we're constantly, you know, striving in a positive sense, not in that exhausting energy, but we're constantly moving toward it. It's not something that we're meant to like lock in, you know, 
my goodness, like 16 year old Kendra, who's yeah. like got to figure it out and know exactly who you are and all the things in that moment. Right. I don't think that we're meant to do it in a moment. I think it's a place that we're constantly moving toward. I love that. So it's not like, it's not like it's like this finish line yeah. where you're like, I did it. I got my purpose. Like I'm good. Like <laughs> yeah. insecurity's gone. Like I'm yeah. just, and I, I think back to like, I have this one friend that I went to elementary school with and from like the age of five, she was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And like in the last couple of years, like she's, and I think it's like, there's a reason I'm so gravitated towards her because she's the only person I know that's done that, you know? So it's yeah. like, so few of us, you know, decide we're going to be something at a young age and then do it. Cause we're, we're constantly like changing our minds and figuring things out. Yeah. And even for a friend like that, the cool thing you know, when I talk about purpose with clients, one of the things I'm really insistent on is that they develop a robust sense of what their purpose is beyond just their career. Because even for a person like your friend who I imagine, I love that when they're like, yes, I want to be a doctor. And even me, I was like, I want to be a writer and I have a book now. Right. So it's like, check when I did that thing. But in terms of my larger purpose, it's bigger than that one particular uh, part of my life. And so what's cool is, you know, I've had some clients that are like that, where they come into the life planning process and they're like, boom, I know I want to be like a lawyer or I have this like vision for this particular field or something like that, that's always been with them. And part of what we work on doing is figuring out the language that gets wrapped around that. So they understand the why behind that. So yes, you've always wanted to be a doctor, but have you always wanted to be a doctor because of, you know, purely that title? Or is it more about like, I've always had a desire to be someone who participates in like the healing and restoration of people, right? And then that becomes a broader vision for your life that you can now operate out of any sphere. And maybe it works really well, of course, like with being a doctor, but if you decided to change careers, you could still live your purpose. And so that's kind of a fun little exercise that we often walk through. Yeah, I love that because if I look back on, you know, my career, like it, you know, I obviously didn't set out to be like a host of a breakup podcast. That was no, you know, not that wasn't like, a thing. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't my like high school career project. But I can look back and see like threads that were there of like things that I'm I'm good at and things that I enjoy doing. And, you know, the threads, you know, have connected to this particular point. And, you know, obviously this show we're talking specifically about breakups. And I know you have a lot of like, I mean, you're, you know, you're trained as a marriage and family therapist, like you have a lot of, you know, history with that and knowledge with that. And the reason I, you know, really wanted to ask you is I'm so often asked by people who feel like they have lost their purpose coming out of a relationship and feeling very, lost, you know, very like this huge void that's there. And, and I, you know, I have quite a few things that like, I want to ask you on that, on that topic, but going back to what you were saying about finding kind of that bigger, like broader language around what you enjoy doing, I imagine that also can apply to relationships. Yes, 100%. I think that's often why we struggle, right, is because maybe we had this idea of our purpose that maybe it did only exist in our career space. And then we've neglected that part of our life or neglected some other part of our life through the course of a relationship. And so we're trying to get back to it 
or sometimes folks have over-indexed and they often attach their identity and the meaning of their life to a particular relationship. And then that person leaves. And now it's so disorienting of like, well, then who am I without, you know, this person in my life? And so it's a getting back to, oh, wait, no, I was actually a whole person. Like I was a whole me outside of this person being in my world. And so that whole person still exists. I just have to like kind of recapture and reclaim who they are. I'm thinking back to like, I would always describe myself growing up as like, I would call myself like the chameleon where like, I really was good. Like I was really good at kind of morphing myself into certain friend groups and certain, like, I'm just, I was just very, I would say that was like a talent of mine, probably not the best talent, but like, do you find that there are people who kind of like just navigate life that way where like they're kind of just always searching for that like identity and when something feels good like really latches on to that yeah I do think so I think that some folks it's a real talent as you said they're like highly adaptable people and Mm -hmm. so in that way it can be a strength it can be something where you know, it's actually a credit to you if you can move into different circles. And then there can be a lot of affirmation and praise from that of adapting and to never holding on to who you are. Some folks can adapt while not like losing the sense of themselves. Others have become so comfortable with adapting that they kind of over time, they've shape shifted so frequently that they don't remember what their original (laughs) shape looked like. Yeah. So those are the folks that have a harder time with it. But yeah, I think it is pretty typical that people kind of move and mold who they are. And like I said, it, it can be something that's just encouraged, quite frankly, because we, whether it's like our family of origin that really encouraged us to be like the easy person who goes with the flow or we found out that we could get a lot of love in our lives um, from, you know, a, a you know romantic partner or something like that. If I just like take up less space and allow you to be the dominant one, sometimes I, I've connected that to this message of that's how I receive love and that's how I can be safe. And, you know, it's obviously not the, the healthiest way to be, but it's certainly a coping mechanism that a lot of people latch on to in order to stay in relationship. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think breakups are, they're just like such a series of kind of unlearning and relearning. And like, I mean, yeah. I, I really think, and I, I talk about this all the time on the show, but I just think there's such an opportunity to like dive into something like this, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have this when they maybe lose a job or like, you know, quit a job because they're unhappy. Like we do get these, you know, maybe it's not all about the relationship or it's not all about the job, but we do get these opportunities where something like that falls apart, where we can kind of identify that. But for the people that probably have sought their sense of purpose in other, not even other people, but just outside things, whether that's praise from their parents, praise from their partner, praise from their boss, raises, like all of that stuff. How does one, you know, kind of start disconnect, like untangling that and moving? Because I would assume it's obviously best if your purpose is something that comes from within or, you know, but how does one kind of make that shift from finding it in other people versus finding it from yourself. Yeah. It's hard, right? This is like the slow work. It's totally, it's like a necessary thing, but 
I think it's um, my mind kind of hopped to what we would say for a lot of addiction stuff, right? It's like, at first, I have to actually acknowledge what's happening and declare that this is a real problem in my life. And until you can reach that point, it's, it's hard to make any sort of shift. Sometimes I say that like the starting point is actually slowing down enough to start asking yourself the questions of where am I finding my meaning and my value and my sense of worth? And how tightly am I holding on to these things in my life? Like right now I have a group of women that I'm going through some content with and kind of coaching them. And we're diving into the topic of surrender and what does it look like to go through and actually audit the different parts of your life and figure out which of these do I need to surrender? Because I am, I'm holding onto them so tightly that they're keeping me from my greater purpose. And so, yeah, I think it would be going through and kind of putting some language to it. Like (laughs) it's a lot of what I do is put language to things, but actually name like, yeah, I think that my value is attached to my job title or to my salary or to this person that I was dating. And then to say like, did that serve me? Like in what way did I think that was serving me and what kind of dysfunction might that be creating or kind of perpetuating in my life? You know? Totally. Yeah. And I think too, like it can be, I'm sure, you know, just thinking about like my personal experience, like the story that I'm telling myself is people really like me because I'm, I mean, (laughs) I don't know if this is the right word, but like easy. I like what you said about like, I've always been praised for being like the person that doesn't need a lot of help, like can can figure things out and then getting to a place, honestly, like just in the last, you know, few years where I'm like, I don't like that. Like it's a, the weight of it started really coming, you know, coming down and, and where did that story come from and how can I start changing that story? And, and I know a lot of the stuff that you talk about has to do with the story that, that we tell ourselves. And I would love if you could kind of share, you know, like, you know, talking about language matters and like how we talk to ourselves matters. Yeah, well, so I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. And I think that's a phrase that I often borrow from her. She talks about saying the story that I'm telling myself. And I love that and kind of thinking of it also comes out of a little bit of like a narrative therapy sort of background of we all kind of have this story that we're living out of. And the degree to which that story is accurate (laughs) can affect us. And also like the degree to which that story is like a healthy story or one that is maybe, you know, pathological in some way, right? Like um, it can shape the way that we live our lives. And so I, um, you know, this is kind of a space where I nerd out a little bit because it's the intersection of my my training and like therapy stuff, but also as an, as an English major in college and just recognizing that language matters. Like if I say that I'm sad, right, that means something. But if I say that I'm, you know, confused or I'm frustrated or whatever it is, like the exact words that I use so influence and shape what my experience is of something. Mm-hmm. And so I, in working with clients, I really think it's important that we latch on to the best language that like serves them best to move them throughout their life. So that's a little bit of getting into, you know, well, what's the story that you're telling yourself? Are you telling yourself that like, you know, my value is only associated with you know, the people that I love, or I can only live a fulfilling, happy life if I'm, you know, in deep, like intimate relationship with someone that I can't be whole without it. 
that my life is like, you know, lesser than now because I wasn't, you know, I'm not with this person anymore. Whatever that kind of narrative is that you latched onto is going to influence like all the choices that you make and how you experience your life. So a lot of times uh, our work is about just rewriting the story and saying like, let's tell a different version of this that's more helpful. Yeah, because I think, I mean, I relate so much stuff to like addiction, but just thinking about like how powerful the story that we tell ourselves are, like so many people that I know that are coming out of like an addiction, the story that they were telling themselves to continue on with the addiction, even though it was like blaringly clear that like entire lives were falling apart. But it's like, we can be like, really convincing, you know, and we can really tell ourselves a story. And so if we can harness that, obviously, for good of like, and I tell people too. I just think with breakups, when you don't have the whole story, it's so easy to make up the worst case scenario story of like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get this answer. So like, you know, or they're already dating, they must be cheating on me, or I wasn't good enough, or it's just so and it's like, what if we told ourselves like more of a positive story? Because at the end of the day, we don't really know all the information. So it's like, why can't we fill it in with something a little bit more positive instead of the worst case scenario? Yeah, I think one of the techniques that I often will share with clients is to say, like, choose the most helpful interpretation of that. So I love that. You know, there's a whole range of ways that you could see this. Yeah, they're dating someone new. And that could mean that like you were totally busted and they (laughs) didn't want you. Or it could mean that like they're really insecure and they couldn't be without a new relationship for a while and they latched onto something new, whatever it is. Like, I think there's like a whole host of ways that we can read a moment. So it's like choose the interpretation that best serves you (laughs) and then move on. (laughs) Yeah, choose the most helpful interpretation. I love that. I'm going to borrow that. So. When someone is, let's say, coming out of a relationship and really feeling like not just the void from from the partner, but just like feeling this like really deep void of like, you know, who am I? Like, where does someone even start? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry for one. When you're yeah. feeling, I think the place to start is, again, to slow down and to get back into your own skin I think our mistake that we often make when we experience any sort of shift or change is that we want to immediately latch on to something new. So it's like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to tolerate the distress of being alone. And so how can I find something else to fill this gap? And that might mean finding a new relationship, or it could mean just like picking up new habits. Like maybe now I throw myself into work in a way that I hadn't before, or I become like, I'm going to have like the ultimate beach body or whatever, yeah. and, like, like, go in that direction. So I think the key is rather than immediately trying to find something to fill that gap, to grow in what I call like, is the courage to be nobody, like the courage to be empty handed, the courage to say like, I'm okay in my own skin, not needing anything else to prop up my identity And it's uncomfortable as hell. So I say that as like, this is not like an easy thing to do, but it's so necessary because once you get to that place of like, I really can hear my own voice. I know what I'm about. I know what I care about. That is going to position you so much better for whatever the next season of your life is, rather than becoming just dependent on something else. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. A question I get asked all the time is, is it normal for a breakup to feel more intense during my period? And the answer is yes. PMS is already so hard to deal with. And then you throw a breakup into that. And I know for me, PMS can make me feel anxious, exhausted, starving, and sad. Not a great combo. And that's why I love using and recommending Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth, which can make PMS easier to manage and has helped reduce those anxious feelings and low moods I experience around my period. And fun fact, a bottle is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens, which help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormones can make us feel so out of whack, and I agree with the most commonly used phrase in their 17,000 reviews, which is that it does make you feel like yourself again. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code HEARTBREAK at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code HEARTBREAK for 15% off today. Wow, that's really powerful. I mean, it seems like so counterintuitive to fit, like help figuring out your purpose. The first thing is like to have the courage, like to be yeah. nobody, which it's, this is like kind of a sidebar, but like I even noticed this when I feel uncomfortable. Like I find myself, I'm constantly listening to podcasts because I don't want white space. Like I don't want any empty space. I just constantly need something in my brain because I want to latch on to something. And I think that is, it's difficult, especially we're so inundated now with like constant content and yes. distractions. And there's like so, so many things to easily latch on to. You could go on TikTok and like pick up a new habit like tonight if you wanted to, you know? <laughs> yes. But it's like how, you know, it's so necessary to have that time in your own head because 
we need that blank space. Without it, how are we ever going to be confident that the choices that we're making are actually rooted in what we really want versus things that are being externally formed again and again? Like, you know, that's a lot of where I try to move folks is from the space of like external this is such a like heady way to say this, but like external identity formation versus internal identity formation, right? Like, am I being shaped and am I building and kind of constructing a life for myself that is rooted in what other people are telling me is meaningful, whether that's like social media or the closest people in my life, or am I actually building a life that's what I want? And it needs to be what I want, because if I'm the one who's got to be satisfied at the end of the day, like, you know, building a life that my mom likes is not the pathway to, you know, health and building the life that's, you know, sexiest to a particular partner, even that is not going to be the life that draws me into joy and deep satisfaction. It's got to be the one that's like rooted in, no, this is like who I am and what I care about and what I value in the world, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, you're the only one that has to live in your skin. And it's like, there's such a, I don't know. I remember when someone feeling comfortable in your own skin, like it's such like something that we hear so much like, but that's like such a big thing to strive for because it's, I don't know, it seems so basic, but at the same time, like I think so many people, including myself, struggle with that at times. And, and I also imagine too, like when you are able to approach your life like that, it really helps with like the imposter syndrome and like feeling fraudulent because it's like, I do know this is me and I'm not tricking you or me (laughs) into, into anything like this is really coming from a genuine place. Yeah. It's so funny. I was thinking about this around this like surrender piece. Um, I was thinking about meeting my husband. We've been married a little over 10 years now. And when I met him, it was on online dating And I was running a dating website. And so I was writing an article about how online dating didn't work. So he was research. I went on a date with him purely because I signed up for eHarmony. And I was like, I'm going to prove that this does not work. And I had no sort of intentional like outcome, desired outcome for it. It was just like, I'm going to go on this date with this guy, prove that we don't connect, you know, because it's like, that's the way that this always works. And I'm going to, you know, come out of it. And so because of that, just to your point of what you were just sharing, I went on the date. I was totally myself. I just was like, I'm going to say the things that I want to say. I'm not trying to manufacture a particular way of being. I don't care if he finds me super attractive or whatever it was. Like, I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just like fiercely present and myself. And what was so cool about that is, well, not only that he like ended up liking me. But I have always had confidence throughout our relationship that I can be who I am. Like I never doubt how I show up in our relationship because it's like from the very beginning, I was wholly me. So I know that the person he loves is like wholly me. It's not like some version of myself that I presented that was acceptable on, you know, a few dates off of eHarmony, right? So I think it's just really important that we do give ourselves permission to be <laughs> truly in our own skin. Yeah. It's like, that's what's going to lead you into the deep satisfaction later. Yeah. I love that story. I know it's different, but the first thing that came to mind was how to lose a guy in 10 days when she yes. was like writing. Yeah. 
It was totally that. Yeah. yeah. Even I used to say to him, I was like, I'm taking this love fern with me. That used yeah. to always be my, my line. I'm taking this like love one fern. of my favorite movies ever. So one thing, and I really went through this, then I realized how common it was since running Breakup Bestie, but like I came out of a relationship where my whole life became this person. And I remember like even being scared of the question of like when someone's like, oh, what kind of music do you like? And I'm like, I don't know. Or like what kind of food, you know, it's like really basic things. But like how does someone start going about trying to figure out what flowers they like, what music they like, what they like to eat. Like, do you have any tips on like how to start navigating something that it feels kind of embarrassing? Cause it feels like we should have known that like starting in like middle school, you know? Yeah. Well, I think first not to beat yourself up that you don't know it. Cause there's so many women I often will ask like, you know, what do you love in the process? And you'd be shocked by like how many women are they like, look at me like deer in headlights. Like why would you ask me to solve, you know, like the hardest math problem of all time. (laughs) So I think just to realize that one, that's totally normal. And also that it doesn't help you in any way to move forward in it by beating yourself up that you don't know it. Like that's wasted energy. (laughs) So let's like leapfrog over that and then get to the space of like, let me actually figure it out. And I think that one of the things that I like to add in is just like a posture of play. So one of the things that I, um, in my book, I talk about how there are like five life postures that help us to stay in a place of purpose. And one of them is play. And I think play is so critical because it helps us to not take ourselves too seriously, but also to approach the world with like curiosity and openness. So just to think like, I don't know what my favorite flower is, but I get to play at it. So I get to go and like, look at flowers and see what stirs something in me. Like, what am I attracted to? And I don't have to land on like the right thing. There is no right thing. And I don't have to know it right away. And I don't have to like marry this idea. I can just like play with it a little bit and see what comes about and kind of do that in every area. And that can be like a really freeing and fun experience to have. I love that. And I, I kind of tell people the same thing, like when they start dating again, because I mean, I think we can say like there's this general sense of like dating's not fun, like dating's this, but it's like it could be like you could say, OK, tonight I'm going to go try a new restaurant and I'm going to meet someone new. It's like lab, like I'm going to try yes. out these things that I've like learned about myself. I'm going to like tried, you know, bringing up this thing that I just read about, you know, and it can be more of, yeah, I love that, like playful kind of thing. Yeah. I like to use the language of like playing or tinkering, right? Because it's like, you know, just this like idea. I love that image of a lab. Like I'm just going to go in and like, I've got all the, it's like a little experiment. I'll just have all these different things. And I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves now And I don't know if it's because like social media, you know, everything's filtered. Everything is like the final product that's got to be like perfectly put together and packaged and presented now that we have this expectation of ourselves, like in all of the smallest moments of our life, like we have to do them camera ready. You know, it's like I have to go on a date and I have to like do dating the right way or I have to like show up and I have to be interesting in a way that like, you know, other people would. I don't know, consider to be interesting. And it's like, just, just do it. Like, just go out there and just like tinker with it and not, you know, don't be so set on controlling the way the experience goes. Yeah. And what is your advice on like, 
kind of shutting out those like outside things. Like I'm thinking specifically with social media, but like there are times where like I look in my fridge and it's like messy and like something is spilled and there's just like crumbs and and I then I look on TikTok and there's like someone that just like has like this perfectly aesthetic like fridge and there's just so many opportunities with social media to like feel bad about yourself and then realize like I'm not even like that person that cares that much about having a clean refrigerator you know it's like we yes. kind of have to do these like gut checks of like why am I feeling bad about something that honestly isn't really even that important to me oh my goodness well I think actually what you just said is like spot on. I think so many of us beat ourselves up because we're not living a life that we don't even want, you know, like we'll look at something like even on a grand scale, like I'm obsessed with Beyonce. I love her. I think like her music's amazing. Right. And she has like this really cool life, but I don't know if you've ever looked at Beyonce's Instagram feed, but I always laugh because I'm like, this would be the most awkward actual life. Like when I think about it, I'm like, I do not want to like wear these outfits and take pictures. Why are you standing that way? What is going on? It looks on? very uncomfortable. It looks <laughs> uncomfortable, but it's awesome for her. And so it's not a knock on her, but it's just like, I don't actually want that life. You know what I want to do? I want to like be in my sweatpants. I like love wearing my Adidas and well, I guess she has Adidas too, her Ivy Park or whatever, but it's like, I want to just be casual and chill out, right? Like I don't want to be put together in the way that she's put together, spending hours in a makeup chair or getting my hair done or traveling all over the world. I'm terrified of flying. Like I don't want to be in a plane. I don't need a private jet, right? Like it's, so sometimes I think it's just going back to, do I even want that? Like when I see that fridge, like, do I care about that? Or is just this image telling me that I'm supposed to care about that? Yeah. And I think that little pause is everything. Because a lot of times that we that does all the work for us. And we're just like, oh, yeah, that's cool for them. Like, I don't I don't need that. Yeah. Um, And then the other piece I'll just say real quick is like, you know, you're living right. Like you're like a 3D human being that's actually moving in the world. And I think the curse of a lot of the social media stuff is that we get these like flat snapshots of people's lives. And we don't see what happened either on the other side of the camera or the two Mm -hmm. minutes after when like the kid ran in and opened the fridge and then started moving things around. And it's like, sometimes I like to just go like, my life is messy because it's dynamic and full. Like, that's a good thing. It's like my house, if you came over, my living room doesn't always look perfect, but that's because I have a real family that lives here and sits down and loves each other. It's not made for a magazine. So I think just to honor some of like the messiness of our life is also honoring that we're alive, you know? Well, and that leads me like to the the last thing that I wanted to ask you, which the title of your book is Life Starts Now. And I think there's like so many ways that that could be applied, specifically talking about like your life isn't just like the social media moments, your life. I think specifically of like, as it applies to breakups, I think so many people, like people will be like, oh, well, I want to go, I'm just going to throw out like Paris. I want to go to Paris. But like, I feel like I can only do that if I'm in a relationship because it's the city of romance or whatever. It's like, but we don't have to wait for that stuff. So I would love if you could just talk about like why you named your book that and like why it's such an important message that because I think it is and it can be applied in so many different ways. Yeah. So I think that 
going back to my mom, even this idea of like, my life will start eventually, right? Like if I do all of these other things, or I get my ducks in a row, then my life can begin. And then I, I named the book that because I was, I was working with a lot of clients and particularly around the relationship space. Most of my clients, I would say are single women. And they would say in our sessions, like, I think that I am meant to do like there. I remember distinctly this woman who was like, I want to start an organization. It was like in Uganda or something. And she's like, I want to do this nonprofit. I feel really passionate about it. She was totally equipped and skilled to do it. It was going to have an amazing impact on like this village that she was connected with. And she was like, yeah, I don't think I want to go to Uganda though, because what if like my future husband doesn't want to live there or something? And so I'm going to like wait it out and see if I can like, if this will work with a relationship. And I was just like, oh gosh, like, are you kidding me? Like, this isn't even a part of your life yet. And you're making all of these decisions about the future that you're like putting off this beautiful life that awaits you and the incredible impact that you could actually have today. You're waiting on that because of somebody who may come along And even in that, I was like, well, then what happens? Like, so then what if you end up with a guy who doesn't like Uganda? So then you're not going to do it? Like, isn't that part of who you are too? And so a lot of the times my response to my clients was like, you know, like, this is your life. Like right now you're in it. Welcome. (laughs) Like life starts now. Right. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's a good title for the book because it was just this invitation to stop waiting to live, but like to come alive right now in the moment. And like, you know, for people that are listening, you're not always going to be like in blissful happiness. You know, it's like life is all of this. It's the the times yes. that you're sad. It's the times that you're grieving. It's the times you're really happy. But like, I just think so many, and I talked about this on another recent episode, but I said like, I have very few regrets in life, but one of my biggest regrets is the fact that like, when I was single, I really just saw it as like a transitory period between relationships. And it's like, okay, my life will start like again when I'm in a new relationship, you know? So I just yeah. think, I mean, we've done that in so many, like I will do that when I make this amount of money. I will do this when I, you know, my kids are this age. It's like either forget or just never happens. And, or we just, you know, are always thinking that I have to wait around. Yeah. A lot of us live these delayed kind of like eventually lives. And yeah, it's like, why can't I have whatever that thing is right now? And, you know, to be careful with that, it's not like, hey, you get to have everything you want. Like you said, the the hardship, all that stuff is part of life too. But to embrace it, like, it's not that I should diminish the present because I'm waiting for whatever future opportunity there is. I want to live like fully in the moment that I have, you know? Yeah. And like, it doesn't, I mean, I, you know, I think again, going back to what we talked about in the beginning of like this idea of purpose, having to be something like really grand of like, I'm going to start, I don't know this, or I'm, you know, it can be like, we, you don't have to fly off to Bali to like, (laughs) you know, like go find yourself, you know, it, it can be like in the routines of life. And I actually more recently, I'm just reminding myself of like, I love traveling, but like, oh my gosh, do I love my routine? Like, oh my gosh, like so much more for me happens like in my kind of day-to-day routines that happen versus like these big extravagant things that I think I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
in some ways it's interesting, like the daily, the who you are every day and like repetitively, that almost says more about who you are than kind of those grand like moments that are like these extraordinary moments. It's like, it's actually the ordinary stuff that's like, that's who I am. No, it's like how I make my breakfast every morning. That's probably me more so than like the big vacation that I'm going to take at the end of the year or something. Right. Totally. And I know when I was on your podcast, you ask about people's, you may oh, yeah, ask yeah. about coffee, oh, right? Coffee. Yeah. 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 And so that I do, I feel like that's way more me than like, you know, me being on vacation or, you know, what I put up on my Instagram feed or whatever that is. So thank you so much. I really hope everyone goes out and gets your book and gets to read about the four other postures that you were talking about. And just, I think it's, if you're feeling like you're at a starting point with this breakup, I think this is like such a great thing to to pursue and, and go through. So can you share how people can find you and work with you. I know you have a membership group for women. Yeah. So the best is to go to my website. So Chanel Dokun, it's C-H-A-N-E-L-D-O-K-U-N.com. Um, if you go to chaneldokun.com slash life starts now, you can actually start reading the book for free. You can get the first chapter or audio book or get it written. So that's a great way to just jump into this. If something in this resonated with you, I would love to give you that as a resource. And there's some free worksheets and stuff that can also help you to start paying attention to your life today. Um, and then I'm on Instagram. So at chanel.dokun is another space. And I love hanging out there, still working on my relationship with social media, but feel free to DM me because I love to show up as like a real person. So that's the best way to connect with me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chanel, for coming on. And yeah, I hope everyone checks out your stuff. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise.